Can I rant for a second? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some random hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized that people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. That's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC terms apply. Did you know that 46% of us don't take all our vacation days? Even though it's been proven that taking time off to play makes us more productive. In California, no matter where you go, you'll find play. Explore a redwood forest, immerse yourself in art galleries, or just park yourself in a beach chair and chill. Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Donald, and Kind Snacks has six new flavors for you to crave. Flavors like rosemary, strawberry, jalapeno, and raspberry. Each of the six flavors is made with number one ingredient seeds or nuts and has fruity or savory flavors depending on what you're craving. They're gluten-free with five to six grams of protein in every bar. Nutritious snacking doesn't have to be all blah and boring. The bar for people who love real food. Try all the flavors. Shop on Amazon today. Yo, 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 yo. Hey. Everybody I, on time I, today, though, huh? Bra, yes, bra, bra, I bra. raced off uh, a FaceTime with Krista Miller, who called me solely to tell me how much she loved our Andy Ramage episode. <gasps> Yay! Nice. Oh. She said it was incredible and informative. I wonder if you guys have heard any good vibrations from it, but people really liked it. At least anecdotally, my friend liked it. It's been very positive out there. Mm-hmm. People really mm-hmm. loving it. Uh, yeah. I would like to see if you guys take the challenge, let us know how it goes. I was a little inspired. I went out for my birthday and was like, you know what? I'm going to do some of these non-alcoholic drinks and just see what that's about. And they were fun and delicious and I didn't miss drinking. So, you know, might might pick up the challenge. Me do it. Yeah, give it a try. Like it's a good speaker. Uh, you, you, I, I guarantee you. Uh, the only thing I can tell you is you may not be. You might listen to that and go, "Oh, interesting." Not for me. But if you just do a month as a just for a, just as an experiment, I guarantee you, you will feel good on day thirty. Nice. Well, some nice little recap of our last couple of episodes, right there. Yes, and vaginas. Vaginas was popular, right, Joel? <laughs> vaginas very was popular. very popular, as always, historically a very popular. <laughs> Historically very popular. <laughs> Did you get any good feedback about vaginas, Joel? Uh only that it was hilarious. Uh people spitting up drinks having to pull over in their car. That's mm. where the people were very uh mm. really very much mm. into yeah. <laughs> One guy was like, I had to pull over so that I could see because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I, like, I love amazing. that. <laughs> These are your reviews, ladies and gentlemen. 
Yes, please let us know what you like. Donald and I don't aren't on Twitter and we barely read Instagram anymore. So we need feedback. So give it to Joelle and Dale who are on every social media and let them know. Right? Yeah. We're here for it. Donald, I've been building you the Land Rover Defender uh, Lego structure you gave me. It's amazing. It's coming along. For your birthday? Yes. For those of you who don't know, it's 18 plus. It's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that Legos had age had age restrictions. It's Lego. It's Lego. Lego. Don't get him started. Oh, Lego sets. Lego. Oh, pardon Lord. me. That Lego sets had age restrictions. You know, I was trying to brag to my assistant that it was kind of hard, and he goes, "Well, it says on the box 18 plus," and I'm like, "18 plus." I mean, it's it's tricky, but I feel like a 15 year old could handle that. <laughs> 18 plus felt a little bit extreme. Like I think. I don't think there was any reason why a 15-year-old couldn't. But couldn't then you ran into your first roadblock and you were like, I've oh. run into so many roadblocks. And yeah. you know what's funny? You know what's funny? I don't know if you do this with Lego singular, but you get to a certain point where you look and you realize you fucked something up, but it's such a fucking ordeal to take it apart. And you just go, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> There's this Olivia Rodrigo's new song where she goes, fuck it, it's fine. And I keep thinking when I <laughs> notice a fuck up that I go, fuck it, it's fine. Uh Little things you wouldn't. No one's gonna notice. Daniel, it's do like, you have any news you want to? Oh yeah, Daniel, tell the audience. Uh, it has been a minute since I've seen you guys, and since then I did get married. Oh, wow, it was great. look at that! Did you consummate shiny. the marriage, Daniel? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my word! A gentleman doesn't tell. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> we we'll just we'll just infer. It was a Palm Springs hotel, and it was very lovely. I'll say that. How many people hey. were invited again? 23 well 21 and, since it was 23 total people including stephanie do you myself. find it odd that donald and joelle and i were not invited <laughs> me personally no <laughs> <laughs> me me personally no he says <laughs> it was really lovely um i i was it was uh <laughs> palm springs traditionally very hot weather and uh, as the weekend approached we noticed that the weather was dropping and we thought great it won't be boiling hot and then uh, the miracle that it was, it rained for the exact 20 minutes of our ceremony, oh which a lot of people kept saying, I hear it's good luck. Yeah, that's what they say. When, they make you feel better. They make you say that. Bingo. So It rained, yeah. it, it rained during our wedding. Yeah. Well, it's good but luck, we though. built tents. We were prepared. Yeah, they frantically mm. built tents the day before in my backyard. Wow. Wow. Well, thankfully, it was just a Daniel, light rain. Yes. Yes, sir. Next time. Mm. Put in for the tent, bud. Yeah, and also next time <laughs> no, invite next, Dan time. next time invite Donald and us. You know, oh, I'll let no. you guys know. You know, next next marriage I'll let you guys know. <laughs> yes, for sure. I heard some know. funny thing on on. <laughs> I read some funny thing online where some guy, it was the woman's second marriage, and the and the and the guy and like one of the brothers was like, "Here we are again," <laughs> 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 or something like that. It was like it was like welcome back everyone or something like that. <laughs> Which if you have the balls to do at someone's second marriage is amazing. I highly recommend. It. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. That's funny. That is very funny. You got to have the right person who's not going to be offended by it, though. <laughs> Truly. Um, all right. Well, in our continuing series on trying to make you laugh and entertain you without uh, talking about the television show Scrubs, we have... Um, uh, what is that? Wait, hold up. What is that that you just said? That was a show that you're not allowed to talk about yet, but I can <laughs> mention because I'm in the Writers Guild that was written and directed uh, in the uh, two in the in the in the aughts. Is that what we call them? Mm -hmm. In the aughts. aughts. It was an aughts show. It was an aughts show. Aughts. 
Um, a comedian that I really like and think is so funny and is very wise and, um, and not only is he hilarious, but he's also, I think, a, a deep thinker and says wise things. Um, his name is Pete Holmes, and we are lucky enough to have him on the show. Is he here, Daniel? He's here, and we already prepped him for audience, so he's good to go. Bring in. Wait, hold up. What? Five, six, seven, eight. Some stories about a show we made about a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate. Ladies and gentlemen, go ahead, Donald. Give it up for Pete Holmes! Those are your, that's your, that's your thunderous applause. <clears throat> oh, <man. laughs> Lots of energy. That's your <laughs> Oprah intro, uh, Pete Holmes. Uh, I really appreciate it. I wasn't ready at all. Your team uh, warned me many times that you guys talk a lot. That was number one, and that you're often late, and that um, well, we're only eight minutes in. We, you're such a fancy guest that we only went eight minutes of of banter because we didn't want to leave a fancy stand up comedian, a beloved America's <laughs> beloved stand up Pete Holmes, a fancy boy, a fancy boy. Well, I appreciate it, but you uh, you jumped right in in the middle of um, backpack browsing, so I'm not what? quite ready. <laughs> Why are you in the market for a backpack, Pete Holmes? You know, man, do you find that there's just seasons? There's just like, you just like things, something happens and you're just like your zest, your zest is up. Does your zest ever shoot up? <laughs> what does that mean? Like you want to go camping? You're yearning, your zeal, Zach. Take any movie you've made and the character you play, the opposite of how the protagonist is. <laughs> so that mopey oh, sort mean, of Airstream trailer, kind of like, <laughs> if they woke up and was like, I feel the opposite. I have zeal and zest and I'm going to yes. go to a Tony Robbins event yes. and I'm going to yes. buy a backpack. That's how I feel today. Well, I got to tell you something. I went into REI in Burbank, which if you've never been there, is a magical place. And it's really the man that I would like to be one day, but I am not. But have you been in there, Donald? It's incredible. Yeah, they got one out here in Tarzana. All right, listen, I've never been in an REI so big, and I'm not a very campy kind of guy. I want to be. I want to be the guy that knows how to, to make a fire and cook on an open flame and camping in, in my kayak. But you walk into REI, Pete Real Holmes. Quick, why? <laughs> Real quick, Why? Go on. I just well, they got backpacks. That, they got backpacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah way, I you could should, go look like, at a backpack. Fuck going online, Pete Holmes. You should go into the REI in Burbank. Yeah, I was It's just magical I, and huge, and it just there's just camping gear and It's cool so big, things. you need the gear to survive yeah. the store. <laughs> okay, we're doing, we're yeah. doing bits. Donald, it's nice to meet you. We've never met. It's nice to meet you, too. Never yeah. met. Pete, yeah. um, um, Pete, that's Joel, our producer, and, uh, and Daniel, our engineer editor. Yeah, he has a robot voice. He will edit out anything you say that you think is horrible and stupid and should not have been said. You can just say, cut that, Daniel. When I made fun of Zach's character choices in his films, no. would you actually copy that and paste it so I say it twice? <laughs> Whatever you do. We adopted uh, two things you taught me on our show, um, Pete Holmes. And um, one is uh, uh, Speed Agree. Is that right? Yes, we'd agree. And, and Scandal Noted. I yeah, said and it today. Noted. I yeah. said it today. I just did my own podcast 
And I was talking about how Louis addressed Louis C.K. Scandal noted. Scandal that noted. You have noted. to uh, say that just to sort of, you know, I'm reading an interesting book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Have you heard of that? No, we're not well read here. <laughs> <laughs> you just jump right to it. Ask us if we're, we watch Below Deck. Some of us do. Go ahead. Below Deck. What is Go. that about? That's a reality show, Pete, that follows the crew of uh, a fancy yacht and their struggles uh, having to wait on the very rich patrons whilst also going out and partying and getting shit-faced and hooking up themselves. I don't whilst watch this show. I do Donald not. doesn't watch it, but he watches watch. Ahsoka. So wait, I'm for, not allowed to talk about the things no, but, that I watch See, right uh, now, Pete, this is something you need to know. That, Based um, Don on your background, Donald, you don't watch that show. You roll your own cigars and like practice archery. You look. That's a very fancy yes. room. Donald has right a very now. posh house. Thank you very much. Audience, very Donald is in his new I bought room a that's... home. Someone lived in it before, and they had a very... Uh, who was it? Aragorn, son of Arathorn? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. They had a very Lord of the Rings. Um... Pete, I want to start at the beginning because that's mm. a very good place to start. Mm. Whenever we, We've never had a fancy um, stand-up comedian on our show. We've had funny people, but no one who's a stand-up. And I wondered mm. if you could tell the audience uh, a little bit about that um, because our audience isn't necessarily people, aren't necessarily people in entertainment. So they, not, they might not know how the hell did he become a stand-up. Now, Pete was in a show that was very, very good called uh, Crashing. If you haven't watched it, I'm allowed to tell you as a writer-director that it was written and directed very well. But not as an actor. No, that's what we were trying to say. Donald is a SAG member, not allowed to talk about uh, any acting performances. But as a WGA and DGA member, I can tell you that Crashing was very, very well done. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And it all it's, it, it, it sort of told the story, but can you tell our audience a little bit how you got started and, and how you ended up being a, a, a stand-up um, in, in your life? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I um, The answer would be, uh, you know, I started in like 2001-ish around there. So I've been doing it 22 years, my God. <laughs> you just watch me stare into the middle distance and I start crying. 22 years. But, but you just know, that 2001 was 22 years ago, man. That feels like right? it was like five years ago. I mean, like 1980 crazy? feels like 22 years ago to me. Right? I'm so yeah. with you. But you know, at that time in 2000, 2001, <laughs> if you wanted to get into comedy, there was improv, which I did. And then there was uh, stand-up. And that was around the time when, I'm trying to think, like Cosby, Scandal Noted, <laughs> um, Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. um, there, were, there were people that were getting TV shows. So like when you would look and you'd go, how did, um, I'm trying to think of a stand-up. Like Raymond, uh, everybody loves Raymond. Or Raymond is a good one, but also SNL people. I was one of those people that wanted to be on SNL when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. That was one of the, like a standout moment. Was I was in the car with my friend Oliver and Kirsta. I mean, that's how important this was, and I was making them laugh so hard. And it was either Kirsta or Oliver, but they said you should be on SNL, and I was like, oh, whoa, you know what I mean? Like these these things, our words are like so powerful, and that moment in high school when everybody's so awkward and pimply and strange that that somebody took the time to like encourage me in that way and i remember that validating my little nighttime you know i'd fall asleep pretending i was doing the good nights you know behind Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio you waving. would you imagine yourself I, love it. I did and i still have that dream i don't have that dream you know like in my life it's not like on my goals to necessarily do that but I still catch myself. I'll wake up and I'm a little embarrassed. I'm like, I had the dream. <laughs> I had the dream that I had no. when I was 15 years old that I'm 
behind, you know, some some actor waving at the good nights. So you were like, even as a as a teenager, I was like, how do you, how do you do it? I was asking the right. question you're asking, and I was like, you'd find people like um, I'm trying to think, Jay Moore, David Spade. There were people that got from stand up onto SNL, right? And then I started doing that. Uh, mimicking that, doing, and we can get into that. And then, really, what I got into first, though, was improv because I read a book, uh, the Second City book, that was like they broke it down like this: uh, Chris Farley was the funniest guy in Madison, Wisconsin. He went down to Chicago. He did Second City. Second City gets scouted like a athletic, like a baseball scout. Mm. They go and they watch the show and they recruit people. And that was true and it is still kind of true how how it happens so i was like okay that's what i'll do so i had been doing stand-up in boston probably like maybe 10 times not a ton uh including some self-produced shows i did at my college the first time i did stand-up i did an hour of stand-up i just didn't wow. know any better i didn't wow. know any. well that that's generous dude it was probably six minutes of stand-up i'm I, listen that i smeared I fucking would dread to have to do stand up because I look, we had a fantasy football uh, league, and if you lost, you had to do five minutes at like the Laugh Factory. Huh. The one of the wow. dudes really? was an exec. Yeah, he was an EP, and he was like, "I'll fucking figure it out, and we'll and we'll make it happen." Do you know how yeah, hard good... I tried to win that fucking league just yeah. so I didn't have to do five minutes, dude? <laughs> yeah. You did a fucking hour your first time out. You are the bravest individual <laughs> on the planet. No, I, we, I really appreciate that, and that, that's a very creative punishment because if you don't want to do it, stand up is like the worst thing I can imagine having to do. But because I wanted to do it, and I stacked it with my friends, it's a nightmare now. I would never want to perform for my friends and my family. Strangers are so much better. But like, I did it. And it wasn't good, is what I'm trying to stress. But you know, I you know, I broke the seal, and right. off we went. So I did it like maybe ten times. But then I read this book called Truth and Comedy, and I was like, oh, improv is where it's at because it's collaborative. It's it's a lot like you know what we're doing now as actors. It's like you're on a set. It's social. You're you're engaging with a scene partner, and, and it just felt so much. I'm not putting it down, but it felt safer to be honest. I would love that. By the way, neither have I done professionally ever. I think I would love to do improv when i go see it you, you know, mean train it, as an improv you yeah mean train. I mean, you've done improv not, before of course of course i do improv when i'm acting and i make up jokes as we shoot but i've never done a sketch comedy improv land and when i go see yeah. it it's obviously hit or miss sometimes you'll see something that's the funniest fucking thing ever you can't believe it and other times you're like oh my god this is so cringe but that's kind of part of the roll of the dice of the thing yeah it's fun that can be fun too <laughs> right like but i but i always feel like um i would love that i would love uh, to do uh, improv well because sketch. it's 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 beautiful and i really became like a evangelist for how pure improv is and how sort of dirty standup was because truth and comedy kind of makes that case that traveling uh that i'm sorry that comedians stand-up comedians are a little bit like traveling salesmen it's it's very it puts them down it's like they take their wares and their sad little rental cars and they go to clubs and it's pathetic you know they don't say that but they're kind of implying whereas improv is you know you and five six seven eight other people you're listening to each other. You're building it create together. You're co-creating it, and then mm. you throw it away. It's very—it's almost like Andy Warhol. It's like the, it's, it would have belonged in the '60s with like a spinning, like hypnotic shape in the background, and everyone's wearing white and smoking cigarettes. Like it's cool. It's experimental. It's alive. But I do want to say, 
that it is safer. Uh, again, that doesn't mean it's bad, but there was a my part of my draw to it was because I was scared to do stand up, and that's not really a good reason to not do stand up. And I watched a lot of people doing improv, where. You know, and I'm not breaking any new ground here. People have pointed this out before. A lot of improv teams are are uh, big white guys with beards, and it's a beer drinking club. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's it's. It, it, I'm not. I I still think it can be great at times, but I was always like very like when I had an improv team, I wanted to perform all the time. Right. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? I we think that would be my all problem too. And you perform like once a month if you're like mad disciplined. And if you're a house team at IO or something in Chicago, you go up once a week. And I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Like, it's not, but it is. It's like, (laughs) as a stand-up, you can go up three times a night, five times a night, six. I believe the record is 13 times a night. Who did that? I think Steve Byrne did that. He did 13 sets in New York. And it's like, I don't do that. But when I was starting, I would do that. I would do a lot of reps. And it's like, I think it was Chappelle or I think it was Chappelle that was like, look, if you have a guy in Boise, Iowa, that's doing like, you know, a set a month, and then you have some dude in Manhattan that's going up five times a week, who's going to get better? Like, you can feel it in New York. You're like, yeah, I, I'm better than I was at seven o'clock today. But so you got to put in those. You got to put in those reps, though. Right? You can't. You can't, you can't with improv. That was my my problem. Right. right you are it. now scheduling ten people with jobs, with lives. A lot of them with families. A lot of them that some of them were just kind of doing it because it's fucking great and it's fun and it's art in itself. But I've always had kind of like a not. It's not grotesque, but I've had like a, I want to do show business. I want to write shows. I want to write movies. I want to act. I want to do this, and I want to do it by getting really good at stand-up and always do stand-up first and foremost, but like, and and for itself. But I was like, I gotta go. We gotta fucking go, guys. Let's go. <laughs> and and <laughs> it's hard to do that when you gotta call three, three other guys and two of them right. are named Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back after these fine words. Can I rant for a second? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some random hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized that people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names that's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on apple cash services are provided by green dot bank member fdic terms apply Kind is calling all flavor chasers. Hey, it's Zach here, and Kind has six new flavors for whatever you crave. Is it something sweet? Try the new seeds, fruit, and nuts bars with flavors like dark chocolate, raspberry, and pumpkin seed. They're made with sweet raspberries and cranberries. And the number one ingredient, seeds. And for something savory, Kind has you covered. Try their roasted nuts and jalapeno bars. Or grab the rosemary nuts and sea salt bars. Savory snacking has never been this delicious. I know your mouth is watering. I personally love the raspberry. Mmm, mmm, Donald. Let me tell you, I could eat 10 of those a day. Oh, really? 
Rosemary's mine. All six new bars are gluten-free and have at least five grams of protein. Kind always leads with nutrient-dense ingredients like nuts. Explore all the new flavors waiting for you, like strawberry sunflower seed, orange cranberry pumpkin seed, and paprika nuts and mesquite smoked sea salt. This is the bar for people who love real food. Try all the new flavors of Kind Seeds, Fruit and Nuts bars, and Kind Savory bars. Shop on kindsnacks.com today. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've had the experience when, um, of knowing people, particularly when I was in my 20s, of people that's trying to start out doing stand-up. And there's this system in place, uh, right, where you you need to recruit people to come to your show who are your friends, your family, and they need to pay a cover and, like, buy a two-drink minimum. Yeah. And, that's, and that's how you kind of get up in the beginning. Is that still the case? That's what it was back in, like, the early 2000s when I had people that were trying to do this. Yeah. Yeah, like, my, one of my roommates when I first moved out here, he was in the stand-up and stuff like that. And he would try and get on it. I forget what the what the spot was, but it was like, because I smoked way too much weed back then. Um, and still do. <laughs> Wait, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Wait a second. It's the same <laughs> shit. That looks like a great sweatshirt to smoke weed in. Is that your Mickey Mouse sweatshirt? No, it's not oh, the Mickey Mouse one. He knows, oh, he you knows know about, about the it. Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. He's a listener! <laughs> Is it? It's not. It's not. Okay, um, I, I, and I saw him bomb quite a bit. And I saw him, you know, have a few nights where he did really well. And I used to sit there and be like, dude, I don't know why you're putting yourself through this. And it was the same show every night. And he was like, if I could just get this right, if this comes out right, oh my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a lot of thoughts about that. First of all, stand up comedy is a never ending uh, parade of humiliations and, and embarrassments. <laughs> it does and seem to be a really, really, really is. hard track That's why for life. Some people are like, oh, I tried it and then I stopped. Should I get back into it? And I'm like, if it didn't get its hook in you, <laughs> right. why would you why would you run through a like a sea like a Navy SEAL obstacle course when on the other side of it is some dude says you can do his show once a month unless right. you really want it. You know what I mean? So the other thing I feel very strongly about that I just think is really important, and it's a through line in a lot of the people that I know that were successful in stand-up, leave your fucking friends out of it. 
Leave your, get the fuck out. I didn't invite my fucking friends to come watch me (laughs) when I'm new. I don't invite my friends now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, get, why would I want you to watch me rearrange my chocolate paneled living room? You know what I mean? It's like, it's stupid. It's private. It's between me and the audience. It's not a social experiment. It's not something I want you. I want your support. I'm in this to be fucking Batman. And have you ever seen Batman on a gargoyle? He didn't bring his friend Caleb to watch him learn how to fight crime. (laughs) Fucking beat it. This isn't about you. I hope you never see me. Fuck off. I'm doing this because it's a compulsion and it's a passion and and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Like Zach came and saw me and it was a great show. I'm at a point in my career, people can come and see me now. But for the first 10 years, you know, I worked at Bennigan's in on the South Side of Chicago. A lot of people didn't even know I was a comedian. That's the right way to do it. Just in the same way people don't know Bruce Wayne is Batman. Beat it. You have nothing to do with it. But how do you get up? Here's my question. How do you get up? Because to me, that racket that I sort of was exposed to was the, the, you know, they're, by the way, they're going up at like 530, you know, the reason (laughs) that they were getting up is because they brought friends. Those are called bringers. Yeah. Tell us, tell the audience audience what a bringer is. The audience, I can't, I want you to educate. I can't, I can't. I'm just kidding. Um, We're That's teaching kinda, the audience about the, the tracks. One of them is being is being a bringer. Go ahead. Well, I never did bringers, and I don't encourage people to do bringers. I think bringers are for the tourists. They're for, I, I, there are exceptions to this. There are great comics that did bringers. But a lot of people that do bringers are just trying to pay it, meaning like if I get five friends to buy five tickets, so that's already 50 bucks, now two drinks, and that's probably 20 bucks each. I'm not here to do math, but you know the club's making a lot of money giving you five minutes on a special show on a Monday night at, at six five, o'clock. At 5.30, yeah. yeah. And you bring these- So that's a racket for the clubs. It's a it's it's like a pyramid scheme, basically. And like, it's also, I would say it's impossible to do well. I, I, I've been doing it, like I said, 22, 23 years. If you put me up at a six o'clock bringer, unless all I did was make fun of how horrible the show was, which isn't kind, <laughs> there's no way to do well. You can't go up in that show and be like, you know, the funny thing about sand, like get at, nobody wants to be there. They're hostages. It's not oh, an it's audience. Horrible. By the way, it's, it's horrible. I've been to bringers. I never knew there was a term. I've been to bringers that are so cringe and you're there trying to be supportive of your friend, but you still have to listen to 20 other people yes, who are at this bringer. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like if aliens are watching us, they're watching bringer shows going like, look at what they do. <laughs> I've it, been it, to a it's, lot of bringers. You've been it's, to bringers. I never knew there was a term called dude, bringers. Okay, so look, and I didn't know they were, it was called bringers either. First of all, <laughs> uh, so when I was growing up, my parents worked at a, uh, were a part of a theater company called the National Black Theater. It was in Harlem. And for two seasons, Uptown Comedy Club sat, uh, uh, shot its show at the theater. Mm. So I got to see a lot of very young comedians, African-American comedians, Maceo, uh, Dougie Doug, uh, Tracy Morgan, a lot of these cats perform and stuff like that. And so on nights when they weren't shooting stuff like that, there would be comedy night and they would set it up just like it was on television and people would come on stage. And those were the nights where that shit would be empty as fuck, right? And you know what I mean? Like nobody would ever That was like an open mic night. Kind yeah, of? it was well, yeah, that's what it would be. But you would you wouldn't know it, but fucking Dougie Doug would host it or freaking Flex would be on stage. This is back then, right? 
And I just remember like the ones that did bring their friends in, you know what I did mean? Better. Yeah, they got the laughs, they got That's the- That's what I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So to, to jump, no bringers. I'm not saying nobody's done a bringer and done okay. I'm just saying that was my policy. I was like, this is embarrassing. This is growing pains. Let's just do this as privately as possible. Otherwise, you're going to exhaust your friend group. They're going to stop coming. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I, I, I was exhausted fast because I, yes. I, once you go to two or three bringers, you're like, how do I never do this it's again? It's not a renewable resource. <laughs> it's not a renewable resource. And even if it is, you're, you're exploiting your friend. It's horrible. So what you want to do, and when I was in Chicago and when I was in New York, is I would do open mics, which are a different kind of death, but it's a different agreement. In New York, you had to pay. The comic had to pay. You had to buy two drinks. Uh, or two items. So I got, you know, this is a time when money's very tight. I'm you buying a buy Coke. Two, <laughs> I'd buy two Cokes. And or you get two to go waters. out for two Cokes? Yeah, but you also have to sign up, which means you might be going on 30th. You know what I mean? There's nothing good about it. I have this. a question. You want to hear the bullshit? Wait, hold up. Do you want to hear the bullshit? I used to have to pay for fucking drinks. I'm a little kid and I'm paying for sodas and shit at this fucking comedy club. And if I couldn't pay, they would kick me the fuck yeah, out. Yeah. They would buy, kick me out. You need to buy two Cokes. And this and is at my parents' in theater and shit. But the wow. funny thing is they put them right in front of you because you're like, all right, you have, to, you, you have this agreement where you have to buy two drinks, right? So even if you're not drinking alcohol, you're drinking Diet Coke. They're like, they just put two Diet Cokes in front of you. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that that is how you could spot a comic at one of these things because you had two glasses of Coke in front of you <laughs> that no one wanted. And it was also at a time when like, you know, that's probably in, in New York in 2004. I mean, two Cokes was probably still about eight bucks. And you're just sort of like, I don't, I don't have eight, but like this sucks. So wait, so Pete, you, I have a question for you. When I walk down McDougal, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, McDougal, what is it? Street Boulevard? What is it? I think it's street. Um, in Manhattan is not only uh, the place where I think you would say the top comedy club in Manhattan is the comedy cellar. Yep. Um, but also there's a few other clubs. And when you walk down that street, and by the way, a lot of Pete's show crashing takes place on that street. And I remember, I remember seeing you guys shooting there. There's guys and gals pamphleting. Yeah. Uh, now, are they also comics trying to get up? Is that yeah. another rat, rat? What's that yeah, racket? Yeah. And that is what I did. So I love, this is such a generous line of questioning. I just really appreciate your well, curiosity. We want to educate our audience on the life of a stand-up comedian. <laughs> well, I appreciate anyone listening. It's very We've nice. done vaginas and we've done penises. We've done um we've done alcohol. Now we've yeah. done horses. Months. We did horses. Now we're <laughs> doing stand-up comedians. <laughs> well, okay, what what oh, so that's called barking. And that so what I did when I was in New York, and when I got to New York, I'd been doing stand-up for three years, but I felt like I was starting over. And I think we could talk about that for a while, but that was important. I didn't walk in going like, I'm from Chicago and you will respect me. <laughs> you just assume you're starting over. And that was that was a good attitude. I don't remember who explained that to me. Probably somebody told me that. And I just, I went in head low, you know? And then I did the open mics, but like I said, you're looking at eight bucks a throw plus Subway, all that stuff. And they sucked. They they sucked. They were. I'm I'm not saying I sucked. I did suck. Like I wasn't that bad. Three years in, I wasn't that bad. But these shows, performing for other comedians, looking at their notes, waiting for their turn to go on. Mm. It, again, it's it's an unwinnable situation. The only times I remember killing at open mics was I had an opener where I'd go, "Look at what we're doing." 
And everyone would laugh. <laughs> because that was the only angle. It's like, know your audience. It's like, look, at, what is this? You That's know? funny. That's a Some, funny route. It's like, you know the audience's other comics. Like, make fun of the process. You yes, can, Donald. but I'm I'm not even trying. There's no mark. Again, I don't want to sound like a, like a capitalist, like swine or anything, but I wasn't getting in it to learn how to kill it in open mic. Like, it was fun to do every once in a while. But I was like, I want to run bits. I want to work out material. And it wasn't happening. That's what I was asking you. Were you at the level where you were able to run your bits and work out your material and try and get your set complete? You could do bits at an open mic, but like if someone kind of was like, huh, like that was a standing ovation, you know? So, <laughs> and, and really, and this is, again, we could talk about the theory of getting through stand, uh, open mics. The mantra at that point is don't quit. It's like, it's like, it's gonna suck. There's a line in Crashing where Marina Franklin says to me, she says, if it sucks, that's how you know you're doing it right. And that is absolutely true of the beginning of stand-up. And you have to frame it and re-narrativize it as something romantic, as a lineage, as a rite of passage, because it's not going to in itself reward you. But when I would see, uh, like Dimitri Martin was like, I barked at the Boston Comedy Club. I was like, I'm going to bark at the Boston Comedy Club. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Jim Gaffigan was like, go to the Boston Comedy Club and ask them how, and what they were saying essentially was, there's a dumpster fire over there that you can at least uh, find a couple tuna cans and discarded paper boxes that you can <laughs> lay on. It's gonna suck. Jim Gavigan said to me, this is 20 years ago, he goes, you're gonna think I'm insane, but you need to go to a place that will like fold you into it and let you, let you in. And the places that are gonna let essentially just a, a wandering you know, new comedian in aren't going to be great places. So the place that I got in was the Boston. It's not there anymore. We rebuilt it for crashing, which was a real trip, but was on West third and basically West third and McDougal. So it was like a block and a half from where I wanted to be. And my corner was McDougal and third. So mm -hmm. I was standing watching my heroes and, and when I say heroes, I don't mean names you know. I just mean any dude that was working the cellar was my but, hero. But that, that's good to say, but we should also tell the audience who doesn't know that the top comedians, stand-ups in the world, if they're going to make a surprise and show yeah, up somewhere, go the cellar, yeah. they go to the cellar. So you'll well, see, you, you know, you can be in there and all of a sudden, you know, Chappelle's going on or Seinfeld's going on. They, they, they just show up and surprise the audience. And that's the trip is that, that Chappelle would also come to this Boston because the Boston would let him do three hours because <laughs> it sucks. And you want to hear something crazy. This is when Chappelle's show is on. So I'm barking. So I literally just went to the Boston Comedy Club. I met the manager. His, his name was Dustin. Somebody had told me, go to the Boston, ask for Dustin. I met Dustin, who's a great guy. And I said, like, I just told him what I've been telling you. I, I'm from Chicago. I've been doing three years. I'm just looking for a home club. And you, the, the moments in my life that hinged on some human kindness are insane. And we could spend the rest of the podcast talking about those kindness hinge moments. And this was one of them because he could have just said, get the fuck out of here. He said, what he said wasn't the best news, but he was like, if you stand on that corner for four hours, I'll give you four minutes. You know what I mean? Wow. A lot of people would be like, that sounds like abuse. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> I got yeah. my, my headphones. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stand out there. Uh, they didn't track it. Some clubs track it, like you write your name on it, and they they count how many people come in with a flyer with your name on it. They weren't doing that. You just had to do it. 
which felt a little Old Testament in a good way, in the way it's like, you want to marry my daughter, work in the fields for seven years. Like yeah. it felt wax familiar. Wax on, wax off. Yeah. It does feel, and it feels like Fight Club. You want to come in for Project Mayhem, stand on the porch for three days. So I was like, <laughs> okay, we come from a species that values people proving that they really want something. I sleep on the on the steps of the temple before you, uh, you come in and teach yeah. you karate. Yeah. That's what it felt like. So I was like, okay. And I, that was like, I felt like that was my first break was that Dustin was like, I'll let you bark. And I went out and I was pretty good at it. Meaning I, I, I just kind of, you know, I've cut corners in my life. When I was a waiter, I would cut corners. I was kind of lazy and stuff. But with this, I was like dead serious. So I was like handing out flyers, going for it. What was your also, line that would get people to- Great life comedy. I, I just said great life comedy. You guys, <laughs> you guys look, that's all I said. Great, because there's so many people, it's gotta be quick. Great life comedy tonight, great life comedy. Here's right, the but tip there's though. also a lot of people, when you walk down McDougal, there's a lot of people doing this to get you to the different clubs. Yeah. It's kind of like the red light district in Amsterdam. It's very much instead like of prostitutes, it's guys like Pete. It's the, it's the fucking. Well, I don't want to say that now. No, say it. It's the Go trenches, ahead. yo. It's the fucking trenches. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, you know what it is? It, it's like the gym too. Like it's just like this. I like the kung fu thing. It's like go sleep in the rain. Go sleep on it in a ditch. Yeah, and and prove it. And I actually, I'm one of those old people now that I'm like, this is good. You shouldn't get famous on TikTok right away and not be very good. I'm not thinking about anybody in particular and just get catapulted into fame. You should lower yourself. It's fucking Indiana Jones. Only the penitent man will pass and you got to get on your right. knees and fucking get fucking humiliated. What is the, the root of humiliated is humble. It's also the same root as human. It's also the same root as soil. It's like get low. And and that's what Bill Burr told me. I was very lucky that the first people that I opened you for- You got some really fucking really cool dudes I giving did. you advice right away. Jim man. Gaffigan and Bill Burr used to come through Chicago and my friend Dan Kaufman hooked me up and got me opening for them. We didn't, those weren't like huge names at the point. They were to me, but not to the world. And, and Bill Burr said, he was the one that said go to the Boston Comedy Club. And he said, keep your head down. Don't be a dick. You'll get in. Those are, I still have that email. I, I've looked at it, not recently, but I have checked that I got that wording right. And that's what it was. So keep your head down and like kind of keep your mouth shut. You know, people are going to make fun of you. People are going to tease you, but like just let the craft speak for itself. Just get better. And the tip that I think you were steering me towards that was that like, I have a stack of flyers and you'd have to like take a flyer out, snap and put it in front of somebody. Yeah. And if they don't take it, which most people don't, put it back in the stack so you snap it again. You don't just right. leave it out there like the a noise. fish lure. You, you need, need the, the movement and some sort of razzle You're dazzle. also very tall. What are you, six what? Six six, yeah. So six six helps. You're gonna six, get six helps. People are gonna look at you. Yeah, and you know what else <laughs> helped is, is like, I'm an effusive person, I'm a communicator. This doesn't always work. Uh, you, meaning I would tell Dustin how much it meant to me. Like even after a night, sometimes the show was canceled. Often the show was right. canceled. You bark for four hours, you come back, no one's there. You just go home. <laughs> oh my God. But I That's was so, so humiliating and humbling. But if you keep doing it, you know what I mean by Old Testament? Yeah. It's like, you must really love my wife or, or my daughter. You can marry her. It's yeah, like, I'm going to stick with the Miyagi analogy. You fucking learn to wax on, wax off. Yeah. But like, I also was very clear. I'm, I'm not a tourist, meaning I'm not just doing this to have fun. This was I didn't lose in my my uh, fantasy football thing. Like I want, I want this. I want to do this. 
and thank you for the opportunity. Now that sweetness didn't always work. I, I remember there was a club in Boston that I was trying to get up and I, I would, he told me, he was like, we'll get you up another time this month. And I used to call just every day, just calling. <laughs> and the dude, fine, I'd get the machine. I'd leave him like the seventh message. This coked up club owner picks up the phone. He's like, this isn't how it fucking works. I call you. Like he like chewed me out. So I couldn't just be like the borderline Mormon sweet level. You know what I mean? Like I was so doe-eyed and, and, and kind, I, I'd like to think. And, but gentle and, and happy to be here, almost like Jack McBrayer or Buddy the Elf. You know yes, what I mean? Right. <laughs> and that giant. did, it, yeah, it did work with Dustin in the sense that I, he knew I meant it. And he's a true comic and he respected the part of me that wanted to be a true comic. And then the trip was, I was going to say, when Chappelle would drop by, we'd go out on the street again. It might be 10 o'clock at night. The terrible show is already going. There's like seven people in the house. I'm waiting to go on. And then they go, Chappelle's here. He's it's so fucking, what, is there anyone cooler? He's walking in. I, I can remember it. And, you know, he's smoking. And Dustin would say, go back out. And we would go back. Of course we'd go back out. Then all we had to say was Dave Chappelle's in here and the place would be full in like wow. 15 minutes. Wow. But here's the go worst Go back part. out. I can picture all the comedians who thought they were going to go on yeah. are now running out with their flyers. It became Chappelle, bad Chappelle, news. Chappelle, 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 but, but it probably means you're not going to go on, right? No, it, it, it was a mixed bag. At first, it was awesome. And I'd say this to, to Dave. It's not shit talk. At first, it was awesome. And then at, after a while, that just meant, here's what's going to happen. Uh, 150 people are going to pack out the club. He's going to go on. He's going to go on for two hours, maybe. And by that, I mean, he's not, and he, you know, he can do whatever he wants, but he's not necessarily doing material. He's fucking around, which is yeah. his right. I say, you see the hierarchy. There is like a respect pyramid of, of standup and, and we take that seriously. So that was fine. I would watch it and I learned a lot about what it's like to develop material really raw, just literally raw. asking somebody like, what's your favorite breakfast cereal and riffing on cinnamon toast crunch for five minutes. But it wasn't, he wasn't doing, you know, his there special. Was nothing prepared. No, I've seen this, by the way. I've seen this at the Cheerios. Cellar. No, I've literally seen this, hey, by the way. Cheerios. I've been in the cellar when, oh my God, Chappelle's here, Chappelle, and everyone gets excited. Yeah. And then he starts smoking and there isn't even what seems like the seed of an idea. It's yeah. just, it's just him smoking and he just like starts shooting the shit with an audience member. And because he's who he is, he's earned the right yeah. to do that. And but if you're certain... in the audience, you're like, when's he going to start yeah. telling a joke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a certain kind of writing you can only do on the high wire. Like you want to be in front of the crowd. Like I write and then I go on stage and it just juices it up. You just like being in front of an audience. You like the thrill of the laugh and all that stuff. So I get it. He's going up and, and, and he's an empath, I bet. He's absorbing that energy and it's inspiring him. But he's also like a cool ass dude that's very calm. So he doesn't mind just sitting there and smoking if that's what happens for a couple minutes. So then the best case scenario would be he doesn't do too long. He says, thank you, good night. And then, and then I... He didn't talk like that. He'd get off stage. Shit, damn. And he was no, on that night. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, man. He'd get off. <laughs> and then the Barkers, as we were known, because no one has left and no one wants to go next. 
So now everyone wanted to go next. Now Chappelle went up. No one wants to go next. So the number of times that I went on stage and my opener, if you want to call it that, was please don't leave. Please don't leave. Dave Chappelle was great. I know. Please don't leave. And everyone would leave. Oh. But guys, I'm 44. And as I tell this story, I have a huge smile on my face. It was essential. It was essential. It was like, that's why I told you when people say I did stand up once or twice, I took a 10 year break. Should I do it again? I'm like, no, you either know this is your shit, even when you suck, but you still have those dreams. Literally, in my case, literally dreaming about it, dreaming about hanging out with Zach and Donald on a podcast. Fucking dream come true. You know, my first spec script was Scrubs, by the way. I didn't this know that. Shit, I did not know this that. This shit was fucking in me. You know what I mean? So like, you gotta, you gotta take the win. And the win was, this sucks and I'm not quitting. I know that sounds like a little, like a refrigerator magnet, but I was like, I'm proud that I went into Manhattan, a place that used to, it's, at that time, it was scary to me unsettling people are mean comics are mean people would say right to your face i don't like you like fucking yeah. weird shit and i stood there holding my empty porridge bowl and just like smiled like the fucking buddha and just waited my turn when and then me and the barkers would talk shit of course we hated everybody <laughs> is it a young man's game that's a good question i mean i was uh 25 but uh, Dimitri Martin uh, was in law school. He was in his second year of law school and he quit. That's fucking courage and certainty and skill. Like he recognized his skill. So he didn't start until he was already out of college and two years into law school. But Tim Allen is always the example I like. Sometimes people go, is it too late for me to start? And whatever age they are, I go, Tim Allen was in jail when he was your age. You know what I mean? Like meaning it, it if it's in you, you know what I mean? Like there can be a later break. Mm -hmm. It's just, in fact, the older you get, you know, I think the funnier you get and you can, especially these days, you can cram conversation like this, cram content. I was just talking to somebody on my pod today. I was like, I used to go to the library and get like prior VHSs and stuff. And like, you know, you'd have to take, this is in Boston, take the subway into Tower Records just to look to see if they had a comedy section. They didn't. You just go home. Right. Like, but now if somebody was starting in their 30s or even their 40s, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't roll my eyes at that. Yeah. You know, and Roseanne. I, there are a lot of people. I, I think especially now, I, I wouldn't think this do paying shit though. I don't know. It's an ego question. Some people have egos that they're that they can detach from themselves a little bit more easily. And because I was young and didn't have as much of an ego, like, dude, I was I was on an airplane. I had a first class ticket on a flight. They moved me to another flight. My seat wasn't first class, and I got on the plane. I was not rude about it, but there were empty seats in first class. And I'm like, can I have one of these? And they were like, no. And I was like, <laughs> and I was so shocked that they said, no, I didn't do anything rude, but I was like, dude, I couldn't do it now. You know what right. I mean? Like I wouldn't go and be like, I just barked for four hours and they're like, show's canceled. I'd be like, well, I'm not coming tomorrow. This isn't working. <laughs> but to that, I knew dudes that came to New York and weren't willing to eat shit and they are not doing comedy anymore. And that's okay. I don't say that and spit out their name from my mouth or anything. I'm just saying there were two people that in the scenes that I came up with that didn't make it. One was people that weren't willing to eat shit. 
eat a shit sandwich. Mm. And that's within reason. I'm not talking about taking abuse from club owners or other comics. I'm saying within reason, the parameters that we've kind of been discussing. The other dudes that didn't make it and women that didn't make it were the shit talkers. Like if all you did was complain about what other people were getting and how fast they were getting, because here I am handing out flyers as these Ansari shows up on the scene. Dude is instant from my perspective, instantly in Rolling Stone on the hot list. You know what I mean? Or something like that. And you're like, Dude's 20 years old. If if you let that jealousy uh, permeate you and get in your bones, I call it comedy cancer. You're done. You're mm. fucking done. You yeah. keep your head down, Bill Burr. Keep your head down. Don't be a dick. Like, keep, <laughs> just, you can't look at your neighbor's paper. And that's why you don't invite your friends. I don't give a fuck what my friends think. I know I suck. It's my time to suck. Let me do right. it privately. Let me do it alone. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back after these fine words. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Kind is calling all flavor chasers. Hey, it's Zach here, and Kind has six new flavors for whatever you crave. Is it something sweet? Try the new seeds, fruit and nuts bars with flavors like dark chocolate, raspberry, and pumpkin seed. They're made with sweet raspberries and cranberries. And the number one ingredient, seeds. And for something savory, Kind has you covered. Try their roasted nuts and jalapeno bars. Or grab the rosemary nuts and sea salt bars. Savory snacking has never been this delicious. I know your mouth is watering. I personally love the raspberry. Mmm, mmm, Donald. Let me tell you, I could eat 10 of those a day. Oh, really? Rosemary's mine. All six new bars are gluten-free and have at least five grams of protein. Kind always leads with nutrient-dense ingredients like nuts. Explore all the new flavors waiting for you, like strawberry sunflower seed, orange cranberry pumpkin seed, and paprika nuts and mesquite smoked sea salt. This is the bar for people who love real food. Try all the new flavors of Kind Seeds, Fruit and Nuts Bars, and Kind Savory Bars. Shop on KindSnacks.com today. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
let me ask you this. There used to be the old prayer was that you would get a sitcom, right? So nowadays, isn't that still the same? Well, like a show, I'm up. sure, but well, I, nobody's I guess getting into stand up really just to make everybody laugh for the rest of their life. They want to fucking turn that shit into fucking. Of course, of course, some, some, some do, some do. Really, there are there are purists, yeah, for sure. There's a great story, Hannibal Burris. I, I don't think he'd mind me telling this, but like, he used to go into meetings with networks and he'd just be like, "I just want to get good at stand up." Like, he'd be completely honest with them. They're like, "Yeah, but do you have any pitches?" And he's like. I want to get good at stand-up because he knew the order. He was right. like, you're not going to, we're not going to do this now. I'm glad we're, we know each other. I, right. I'm, I'm extrapolating. I just remember Hannibal was one of those dudes that was like, I just want to be one of the greats, you know? So, but yeah. My question is, how do you now make a living at it? Because I, I know you've had, you have a successful tour. You, you have an upcoming Netflix show, which we should plug. What's it called? Special, 1024. It'll be out 1024. It's called, I am not for everybody. I, I'm I am not for everyone. Yeah. I am Netflix. not for everyone on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. I've I'm seen this show, by the way, with Bill Lawrence. Bill and I went to one of the last times you were sort of doing it for an audience at Largo in Los Angeles before you went to shoot it, I believe, That's right? right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying this because he's here. Bill and I belly laughed for an hour and a half. How long did, did you did it end up being 90 minutes? No, I cut some stuff. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> but, that night I was yeah. like, that night I was like, I said to you, oh, I'm sure you're going to cut it down to an hour, right? And, uh, and you were like, no, no, I think I'm going to leave it long. Um, yeah. But even even the 90 minutes, we belly laughed the whole oh, time. Thanks, it was man. so fucking funny. I promise you, uh, audience, if you're listening and you're a fan of Donald and I, you will laugh at Pete's special. It's so smart and funny. And I like com I like comedy that does not only make me laugh, but makes me think. And your hour certainly does that. Oh, thanks, man. But I wanted I really to say, my question is, how I've gone to the cellar and seen so many brilliant comedians. That's where you go when you want to see the best in town. And I don't, they aren't necessarily household names. They aren't necessarily people you'd recognize. How do these people make a living? Do they, do they tour? Do they, there's, do they tour at different levels? Are they hoping for a special? Yeah. What is the 2023 way that a stand-up comedian makes a living? Again, a generous question. We, we, we cover this a little bit on Crashing, but the answer is is more than what we showed on the show. There's different markets, right? So there are, there are still to this day people in New York. What I was la smiling during your question that there are people that I want to go like, what what are how are you doing? <laughs> like I do, like I don't know. I want to go like, what is what's your strategy? Like what how do, do you live? live? I, how do you in live Man in Manhattan? <laughs> well, you can take it up from the bottom, right? There are some dudes that do so many sets in the city that that's what they that's what they do like that. And, and I'm sure they tour some, but like, you know, if you do, cause the, uh, the fat black pussycat is right around the corner from the cellar. You can go back and forth between those two clubs. I've done it and go up eight times at the ni a night. And I, that's I in your show, by the way, I just want to say a funny, just yeah, a little connection is. here. Jessica Kirsten, who we should have on Donald is my stepsister. And she is a very accomplished, yeah, hilarious stand-up comedian. She did it. Uh, a unique way also where she got she was already out there but she got on through a reality television show yeah and that was her that was her introduction that started her up she was on one of those what was it the comedian um uh, competition she was Last on comic. that yeah but also um what i just wanted to say that one of the great things about Sh uh, pete show crashing is he had all the real people playing themselves so all the go-to yeah not all but a lot of the go-to stand-ups in this circuit are in the show including my stepsister jessica kirsten 
who's in a very funny episode where Pete and she are running back and forth between these yeah. two clubs. So yeah, I just yeah. had to digress and tell that story. And then story. we go, she does another one where we go to North Carolina. She was in the only episode where we flew somewhere to shoot it. And she's just, she's sweet as pie. I love her to death. Yeah. Um, I'm not just saying that. Like I have like a special. She's spot someone you in don't want heart. to follow because she. Every time I see no, her, that's yeah. why I'm most often that I'm in the cellar is because Jessica's going up and I'm going to see her and I'm going to see some other comics. Yeah. And every comic will tell me, and they're not just saying this because she's my stepsister. Like you can't follow her because she's no. so funny and she's so outrageous. Donald, have you ever seen her do her thing? Yeah. Yes, I have. It's ah! so funny and, she and did so outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She told me once she didn't like a crowd at the cellar and she did the rest of her set with her back, her back to them. Which I was yes. like, that's fucking dope. She does this sort of inner monologue thing where she'll she'll be performing and if and if something bombs, she goes upstage to the wall and turns around and into the mic, she does like an inner monologue, like, Don't listen to them, Jessica. You're doing just great. This is yeah. very hard. You know, yeah. Yeah, I'm not yeah. selling it well, but she no, has this sort of punch yeah. yeah, she's okay. letting them into every element of the experience. So anyway, the answer is there's city spots. And then the first break for a lot of people in my, I'll just speak for myself. My first sort of foray into touring was colleges. And especially when you're in your 20s, um, colleges are incredible. And there's things called NACA. Musicians do it as well. It's a National Association of College Acts or something like that. You go to a NACA. It's in a hotel. We did an episode about it on crashing. If people are curious, I'm very proud of the NACA episode. I got a college agent. Um, forgive me, I, I can't exactly remember how, but somebody, probably a VHS tape that I sent, and, and then they submit that VHS tape into NACA's on your behalf. You have to pay. It's like 300 bucks just to submit, again, at a time when you don't have 300 bucks. And then if you get in, it's a really big deal. I often didn't get in. I eventually finally got one. I went and you perform at like 11 in the morning. And who's there is all the people from our colleges that ran the Student Activities Council. So everybody's shirt says SAC or CAB. They're all called <laughs> SAC or CAB. What do you mean and SAC or CAB? Student Activities Council or, or oh, Council of so they're the, are they, are Campus students Activities or, Board. Are they That's students? The yeah, they're students. So they're students who have been tasked with booking the acts for this. Yeah, but the let's be real. These year. aren't the hippest students. These, these are the kids that wanted to run the yearbook, basically. They have a lot of power, though. They do have a lot of power. And that's what's so funny about it is you're kissing your my future, my rent, and my livelihood is now tied to my ability to not only perform well, but also hobnob in the lobby of a Hyatt Regency with some eight, 19 year old girl. <laughs> who still has braces and she's deciding whether or not they want to spend the $1,100 to have me come into the upper peninsula of Michigan and do a show at noon. You know what I mean? So it's a very, I'm telling you, it's a never ending parade of humiliations, guys. It's never ending. It doesn't end. I'm still doing it. So you do but, the set and then you have to go in the lobby and be like, so Michelle, yeah. what did you no, think? No, it's I love worse. your glasses. It's worse. Uh, you stand at a booth. You, oh, after no. your set, stand, it's your, my uh, agency was called Auburn Moon. I would stand at the Auburn Moon booth and watch people walk by. So I did two NACAs, one where I did very well, one where I didn't. It's so the one cringe. where you didn't do well and you have to stand at the booth trying to hand out your merch because you're giving, because college kids love free stuff. So you're trying to give them t-shirts or you're trying to give them a water bottle or something like that, or a carabiner that says Pete And then you see it. them, let's say you didn't kill that day. And no, one guy yeah, that's did. What I'm saying. 
And so you see them gathering around the booth of the guy who killed, and they're all red trying to district, get his carabina. They're over yeah, at around Aziz's, Aziz's booth. booth. <laughs> yeah. getting, a, getting the Aziz carabina. Yeah. Well, dude, I, I don't know if Aziz ever did that. I think Aziz blew up real fast and kind of pole vaulted that. But when I did it the first time, and I knew it was a big deal. It was like, I was more nervous, more jacked up for it than like my first late night or anything. It was like, it really felt like no one will ever know. You know what I mean? It's not going to be on TV. But if I do this, it'll fill my calendar. Like it'll fill out my whole year. And when I said $1,100, that wasn't random. Like I would say the average, I, I don't, not even mid-level, low level, but headlining early comedian, especially if you're clean, which I was clean at the time, you'd make about a grand unless they clumped them together. Now you're doing it for you like You get eight. paid more if you're clean? You book more if you're clean. Because they don't want, a lot of colleges don't want uh, yes. dirty talk. Absolutely not. In fact, you, once you book the gig and you get this, a whole, I could write a book on how to do colleges, but once you get there, you can ask and can I like, say fuck? Really? Like, I have a really I, good cock joke. Do you guys yeah. not want it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the same with, you know, I do corporate gigs now too. And they're always like, you book it because you can do an hour squeaky clean. And I can, and I do, and I like it. But sometimes you get there. Last one I did was for like liquor salesmen. I'm like, these guys want to, and these men and women would like to hear about this sex story or whatever it is. They're going to like it, the sex joke. So anyway. There's a section in your new stand-up um, I'm not for everyone. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I am not for everyone. I am not for everyone where it's not dirty necessarily, but you speak in a very funny way about uh, sexuality, right? Is that the yeah, good yeah, way yeah. to put it? And um, I, I just thought it was so funny and interesting. And, but it, it, would that be considered, but would, would that section be considered R rated? Oh, yeah. yeah there, everything in my new special, with few exceptions, would be too edgy for a NACA. But the great thing is, is because I was raised religious, I, I fuck NACA, I thought I was gonna go to hell if I was a naughty boy. So I was way ahead of the curve. Right, this is something that's in crashing and we haven't touched on, um, and we can we can uh, just touch on it uh, briefly. One, one thing that's interesting about your story is that you grew up quite religious, correct? Yeah. And then so part of the story of crashing is not only is, is, is it Pete's story, he's a young, wide-eyed stand-up coming to town, but your character and you uh, grew up yeah. very religious. Yeah, and and it really is sort of like a, I don't want to say thrown into the wolf wolf's den, but it had a little flavor of that, more because of how sheltered I was. And, you know, Nate Bargatze was there at the same time as me, and, and he and I bonded a lot over just like, we're, you know, we're a far away from the, from the church life, which which was very sweet and nice. I'm not saying anything bad about it. Now everybody's, you know doing everything that you could uh, think drugs drinking and there's a lot of like whatever. but you're still a religious man are you not i'm a spirit yeah a spirit, deeply spiritual person and that and that informs it you know that we're changing gears a little bit but it's like i think there's a big difference between dirty and ugly my, my comedy is very dirty but it's not ugly mm. and i think you can do clean comedy that's very ugly i i, mm -hmm. I think what you Agreed. should really pick up on thanks don is like the undercurrent, like what values, what attitudes and perspectives are you championing? And if you don't say fuck, it doesn't matter. Did you just say a man should be able to hit a woman? Did you kind of like, let's really reduce what you just said. Mm. Isn't that what you just said? And this could be a clean comic. And then I go up and I say, like the joke you're referencing, I think is 
you know, Kinsey approved. It's very interesting about this, the, uh, the spectrum of sexuality and it's dirty. I'm talking about jerking off and sex and all this stuff, but like underneath it, I'm saying we're all in this together. Sexuality is strange and it's unifying. Like my right. goal is for it to be unifying. You never punch down and you're, and you're kind and there's a, there's a kindness to your comedy. You're saying some outrageous, funny things, but you're not taking uh, aim at anybody in a mean way. I appreciate that. If I do take a cheap shot or punch down, even if it's briefly, it's because that's true to our experience, that everybody has a mind that occasionally thinks something that you don't approve of. And I think that's valuable to talk about as well. Meaning like this, I say this all the time, but the sweetest nun, the most gentle woman in the world sometimes is stirring her coffee and she's like, I don't know why, but I, I don't like whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not, I won't say it, but like. Oh, I wanted you to go there and just see what came out of it. Well, the example I usually give is I'll be on a plane or something. And I'm like, I don't know why, but I hate the back of this guy's head. Like I fucking hate the shape and fucking his dumb hair. So one of the unifying things you can do, and I know I'm having my cake and eat it too, but if I do make a, a joke that's cheeky or a little bit wicked, it's because I'm trying to demonstrate shamelessly and innocently that all of us know how lonely it is to be stuck in these fucking outdated biological spaceships <laughs> that because of the wiring and the pattern recognition and the judging and the labeling and the consumerism and everything, that, all the impetus that we're constantly being flooded in, your brain is like a fucking washing machine filled with marbles and shit's flying out sometimes. And it's lonely and isolating and honestly encouraging of dark and weird thoughts to not say, hey, sometimes I have a thought like this and it's yeah. fucking weird. And if I can use my platform to make people feel less shame, that's great. And sometimes it might be at the expense of whatever, like some some joke that you're not, ooh, that you're not supposed to say that. Yeah, okay, and, and here we are, and here we are. You're also not supposed to think that. You're not supposed to feel that. You're not supposed to do that, but we do. I have a joke in my new hour about... Uh, taking my daughter on a carousel, even though my friend like couldn't find his daughter and I could have helped him look for his daughter, but it's a whole story. I'm not proud of that story. He, they found her. She's fine. I can't but, find my daughter. Okay. I'm going to go with That's yeah, exactly the joke. But that to me, using a high status position, loud voice, I'm talking, let's go back to being bonobos babies. You know what I mean? Loud voice. I'm up high and I'm in the light. So that's an alpha position. And to use it instead of championing myself and telling you all my virtues and all my gloriousness, like a dictator and how ineffable I am, instead being vulnerable enough to be like, I, I should have not gotten on the carousel. That's more valuable because people are like, yeah. you know what, dude, in this flawed, imperfect thing, sometimes I do that. And if, and if you can laugh at me and then still quietly be like, I've done stuff like that. Then that, that, that's, a service. that's a service as well. Well, that's the best comedy, What, what, right? is, what is gained if I get up and that's just tell you how fucking great I am and how perfect I am? And you know yeah. what I hate? Most comedy is just going up on stage and saying, isn't food great? Isn't sex great? Isn't winning great? Isn't, isn't, that's it. Isn't money great? It sucks. Well, I remember back in the day, it was always, uh, there were some women that would come on stage, a lot of women, where are my big women at? That shit used to be like the first motherfucking, <laughs> oh my God. Pete, do Where you ever open with that? Are. Where are my big women at? Have you tried that? You know what I hear constantly is who's drinking. 
but that <laughs> that is who's drinking you guys partying yeah and then you're into drinking but that is also look i i have respect for anyone doing comedy so i'm not gonna you know broad stroke dismiss anyone but if i go on stage and do a bit about how great alcohol is in a club where everyone's drinking nothing has happened people who already liked alcohol like alcohol mm. if i can go on stage and make them and it doesn't have to be alcohol but just kind of like take the other side for fun and get people to laugh at not even something that challenges them but like something a little bit more interesting than just like isn't aren't orgasms great isn't dopamine great isn't yeah. you know or, well, or or a story where you go and i say get the fuck out of here clown and everyone cheers for me right well i, I thought you did that in that. spades with the run you do on on sexuality and the kinsey scale i i thought it was really funny and interesting and certainly not something I've I've seen anyone talk about in a in a comedy set. I thought that was really unique. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Let's take a break. We'll be right back after these fine words. Kind is calling all flavor chasers. Hey, it's Zach here, and Kind has six new flavors for whatever you crave. Is it something sweet? Try the new seeds, fruit, and nuts bars with flavors like dark chocolate, raspberry, and pumpkin seed. They're made with sweet raspberries and cranberries. And the number one ingredient, seeds. And for something savory, Kind has you covered. Try their roasted nuts and jalapeno bars. Or grab the rosemary nuts and sea salt bars. Savory snacking has never been this delicious. I know your mouth is watering. I personally love the raspberry. Mmm, Donald. Let me tell you, I could eat 10 of those a day. Oh, really? Rosemary's mine. All six new bars are gluten-free and have at least five grams of protein. Kind always leads with nutrient-dense ingredients like nuts. Explore all the new flavors waiting for you, like strawberry sunflower seed, orange cranberry pumpkin seed, and paprika nuts and mesquite smoked sea salt. This is the bar for people who love real food. Try all the new flavors of Kind Seeds, Fruit and Nuts bars, and Kind Savory bars. Shop on KindSnacks.com today. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure... It kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
oldest girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do your parents, are they alive? What do they think of, uh, of your comedy? I imagine they're religious still. Uh, you know what's really, really weird is that my parent, my mom was more was very religious, and that was I wrote in my book that my brother and my dad had sports, and me and my mom had Jesus, and that was like our interest. We knew the stats. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we knew all the stats, all the teams. <laughs> but like, as my mom's gotten older, and I've gotten older as well. That's how it works. I've gotten way more spiritual and my mom's gotten a little bit less interested in that stuff which which is not you know she's 82 and that's not uh my favorite only i've said before i'm like i wish it would be if my mom would be like comfortable and feel held in the world and be religious in a way that i don't share all of those beliefs but like felt secure in the universe I, i that's my hope for her and that's why now i push it on her a little bit so that's the tables funny. have turned. But my, to answer where I think you were going, my parents don't really know. I, I think they don't really know what to make of of me to this day. Do they watch it? Do they Will they watch this new special? Yeah, the last one that came out, I think they watched it with some church friends. And then they just called me <laughs> and, and they're like, we were so humiliated. And I'm like, you, you see, this is full circle, man. Because me saying, don't bring your friends is yeah. me also saying don't bring your bring family. Your, no. It's not about them. And and what I always say to my mom with all love and to my dad as well is I go it's not for you. And any artist that's making something with what will my parents think isn't giving me all of themselves. Mm. And I'm here you know I don't want to you know blow my own horn. What is it? Blow it. Toot my, blow it. Toot blow, my it. Own horn. blow it. Toot it. But I I want to like mind deep i want to share humiliations i want to share vulnerable feelings i want to make fun of my parents you know what i mean like i i spent a lot of my life being like yes sir and and this is your show and i'm just you know i'm one of the one of your crew you know what i mean like i'm and it's like that's fucking over man i i was just talking well, that, to that kind of sorry to interrupt you but that kind of informs the title i'm not for everyone you're saying like, hey, I, I'm, I'm not for mom and dad <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm yeah. going to do my thing. I'm definitely Buddy, not for everyone. If it's for everyone, it sucks. Yeah, if it's amen. for everyone, it sucks. Amen. And Say it loud for the people in back. <laughs> that's really true. And dude, you see that in your films. 
for yeah. sure. You know what yeah. I mean? I My mean films are not hot... for everyone, but no, gosh, no. but gosh, for the people that respond to them, it's yes. such a fuss. It's the reason you make them. Well, that, no, yeah, I was going to say, that's why we're in this. We're not in, you know. Scrubs yeah. was not for everyone. You know, we, we're here doing a Scrubs podcast and, and, yeah. we're, and all the people listening obviously loved the show. But the show was never a runaway hit. Every season yeah. we were like, are we coming back? And that happened for nine years. I told this to Bill. I was like, that that show, I, I know I said this to you, Zach. Zach's on the pod uh, three times. And I'm sure we've talked about the episode where JD is wondering how he'll die. <laughs> he looks at, at you, Donald, and you're eating a sandwich. And he's like, heart failure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he looks at him. And, and then he looks at his own reflection and goes, I don't know, stress. I have the chills as I'm telling you this. I saw that stuff and I was like, that's what you're supposed to do with a platform. And again, we watch some popcorn shows. We watch things that are free. We're not, you know what I mean? We don't have to put down other things. I'm just saying there's a special place. I was just talking to a, a comedian where I was like, the money is for the discomfort of dealing with the people that might be like, why did you make that joke about me? But it's my fucking job. It's my job to risk it. That's really what the money is for. Mm. You know, BB King used to say, I do the shows for free. They pay me to travel. I do the shows for free. They pay me to deal with the draining feeling. I was just in Salt Lake City. I did four shows. I come back to the, the hotel and I've been, you know, making fun of my family, making fun of myself, sharing, like I said, that story about the carousel. And, and I'm just sort of like, you feel what my wife and I call, everybody calls, a vulnerability hangover. You feel yeah. hollow and tender. Mm. I was just rewatching Phantom Thread when he does his uh, show and then he gets the next day, it just cuts to him in bed. I don't want to make it too dramatic here, but I'm like, that's what the money is for. <laughs> it's for this feeling of like, oh my God, I just showed my mm. realness to a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent a voyeur. Part of me likes being seen and celebrated, I but a lot that. of you goes like, I just really, that was real. I and think it was I a felt risk. that. First of all, I love that expression of vulnerability hangover. I think I felt that uh, every time I release a film, I, I feel of that. Course. I, I feel like, Oh my God, you rip yourself open. Uh, and then, and then of course you're, you're judged positively or negatively. And then, and then people's watching and they don't. And then there's, then there's just quiet and you feel a vulnerability hangover. Yeah. And you feel empty and you feel tender and you, and you feel just, I, I, my wife is so good at it, but there is like a rebuilding process and that's a whole other podcast, but like getting your balance, <laughs> right. Getting your family, right. Having interests outside of this. There's a lot of people in our town, you know, we never talk about comedy or anything and it's really good for my my spirit you know yeah, i was about to say how does that work like doesn't everyone when it's your profession and you're around your peers do you guys talk about jokes all the time are you on is this you know what i mean like i wouldn't call it on you would love it that's okay. my answer is it, it's it's the best hanging with comedians especially if they're like-minded comedians there's still some ball breakers that aren't my favorites but if I'm hanging out with Mike Birbiglia or, I'm, or I was just hanging out, Eddie F did my podcast today, it's heaven. Because mm -hmm. they, especially guys my age, men and women my age, they've been through a lot of the same stuff. So you said trenches earlier, but there is a like, you're bonded by having shared this experience. And a lot of us, we were doing it alone. And now we all get to get together and be like, that was some shit, right? <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> and, and support each other. And you do, 
you know, I have it with you guys right now, but it, it's nice to be able to just go, it's not weird if I tell you I'm working on a bit about this and, and just kind of say it and then they kick it back to you. I love that with you. When I do Pete's show, and by the way, if you're interested, I've done, uh, like you said, I've done Pete's show three times and you can check it out. It's called You Made It Weird, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In Zach's defense, we don't say the name of the show a lot yeah, on the show. Yeah, you don't. So, like, so. There's no reason you should really know it. I, I've done it three times. I should be definitive no, no. in knowing that. No, I'm saying you shouldn't. Every time you've done it, I haven't been like, welcome to You Made It Weird. I'm sitting here with Zach Brown. <laughs> like, it never comes but up the reason on I keep, the show. The reason I keep doing it, honestly, Pete, and I hope we graduate to to being real friends in real life. Um, but I I I just love coming and laughing with you. I, I think yeah. we have you we love have a, coming and laughing. I love coming <laughs> in that order laughing. too. The release laughter. We I love it. laughing with you. We have a very similar sense of humor. On the last time I did it, Donald, uh, we we brought up Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and spent the bulk of the episode just yeah. just purely, probably poorly. Quoting Glengarry Glen uh, Ross, I would put it to Mamet himself that it was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that movie. All all my comedian friends are most of them are obsessed with that movie, and it goes all the way up to Seinfeld. He's not my friend, but like I know a lot of comedians that love that movie because it talks about the brutality of of selling your wares of like sa salesmen that have to use their personalities to like kind of get ahead. So of course comedians would relate. Well, they must have loved our episode, Pete, because that's mostly what we talked about. Yeah, Joe DeRosa and I text each other exclusively in Glengarry quotes. Yeah, I've I've exhausted the joy. only gifts available on iMessage to you, I believe. There's only yeah. a couple. There's always you be closing. You have to go into Safari. Go into right. Safari. Yeah, will you, you help me find a better Glengarry Glen Ross gifts? <laughs> yeah. Pete, thank you so much for coming on. I Am Not For Everyone is on Netflix on October 24th. That's right. Good not job. a Not a question mark, an exclamation yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. And uh, audience, I'm telling you, I saw this live with Bill Lawrence, and I was—I remember it was a holiday, right, Pete? It was Labor Day or Memorial Day, yeah, which, it's which one's day. Mm -hmm. one of those days? And we were both kind of tired. And we said, "Let's go." It's Pete. He's hilarious. It'll be great. And we went, and I—I I genuinely laughed my butt off. It's so funny and so smart. And um, I, I encourage you all to check it out. Thanks, man. Donald, say something nice about Pete. Donald, you're welcome anytime, you salty. Yeah, dog. Donald, come do a go come Donald's do Pete's been podcast. Dodge in the pod. Are you willing to talk about are, are you willing to talk you about Star Wars? Asked. Where are you on Star Wars? Because that's Donald's favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. Well, he knows Bill, he knows Bill Burr. He was in Star Wars. That's how I found out who Bill Burr was, actually. Because he, he was in the Mandalorian, right? Because he was on the Mandalorian. I was like, who is this guy? Pete, could you fill an hour right. with Donald um, talking about, here are the key areas. I had no clue that I had been watching him like on the Chappelle show back in the day and all of oh, that yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, the racial draft, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you can do Marvel, Star Wars, stop motion animation as a focus, uh, yeah. sports, basketball, if you could fill an hour with that, Donald will crush your Dude, podcast. Eat, uh, Bag of dicks? No, I'm not going to. We're not going to go into that. Um, Pete Holmes, we love you. The special is called I Am Not For Everyone. Yeah. But Pete, in my mind, you're for me. You're definitely for me, bro. And that's what we've learned. Thank you, You're guys. definitely for me, bro. <laughs> we this love is you. really, really cool. You are fucking Batman, dude. You are Batman. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, the Batman series is on YouTube now. We're dropping every Thursday. By the time this comes out, they might all be out, but we're firing everybody on the Why Justice didn't you League. ask Donald or me to be a character in that fucking thing? If we thought Donald would do it, I leave you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Um, yeah, you invited no, we've, your funny friends, but I never got the email. You'd be great. I mean, Who we, still I have have, played? we still have a lot of people to the fire. Riddler? We need a Riddler. 
We could do Riddler. We can do. We want to do Poison Ivy, Commissioner Gordon. Who could Donald uh, be? I could well, be we, any one of those. Yeah, people, you could be Gordon. Yeah, you could be modern Gordon. But Matt McCarthy is our Gordon. We already. Oh, have you Gordon. already got a Gordon. Sorry. Who can it's Donald be? That's a great Gordon. The the newest Gordon. I don't know, but the Batman. You're just good dropped. at impressions. You do a nice. You're are you? You don't do impressions on stage, but you are pretty good at impressions. They come out sometimes, and it it devolved from good to pretty good. In one do you want to give us a, a quick Al Pacino, and then we have to go, Pete? Okay. <clears throat> I want to say thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's been wonderful to sit with my friend Zach Braff and Donald Fazon. Faison, Al, Al, Faison, Al, I've been to New Orleans. Al, give us a hoo-ha. How's your skin, son? I like my aids to be presentable. I have gum in my mouth. I should have taken it out. It's a little bit better without the gum. Al, we usually end the show by counting five, six, seven, eight. Would you count us out five, six, seven, eight as Al Pacino? Hell yeah. A five, six, seven. Here's some stories about a show we made about a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate. I said, here's a story. Did you know that 46% of us don't take all our vacation days? Even though it's been proven that taking time off to play makes us more productive. In California, no matter where you go, you'll find play. Explore a redwood forest, immerse yourself in art galleries, or just park yourself in a beach chair and chill. Play is everywhere in California, so take some well-deserved playtime off and discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey, it's Donald, and Kind Snacks has six new flavors for you to crave. Flavors like rosemary, strawberry, jalapeno, and raspberry. Each of the six flavors is made with number one ingredient seeds or nuts and has fruity or savory flavors depending on what you're craving. They're gluten-free with five to six grams of protein in every bar. Nutritious snacking doesn't have to be all blah and boring. The bar for people who love real food. Try all the flavors. Shop on KindSnacks.com today. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova's stores, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all.